A quick warning. This episode contains discussions of domestic and intimate partner violence. Please check the show notes for a more detailed description and take care of yourself. Thanks for listening. When we first started looking into the rising number of deadly domestic violence cases in Milwaukee County, a certain time period immediately came to mind. You could call it an inflection point. Can you take us back to July of 2022? I want you to take us back to back July of last, last year. Last year. To July 2022. It just felt honestly like it was every other day and it was like, when is this going to stop? It just was very clear that we had a lot of DV-related homicides that were happening in such a short time period. This was something that advocates were sounding the alarm about. For us, and I'm one that will turn on the news every morning just to see what's going on. I think for us it was a time and where we needed to reflect. I think I was at the domestic violence conference and it was in St. Louis. And we took a moment literally to talk about it, what was going on here in Milwaukee. I couldn't watch the news because I was inundated with having clients that were coming in reporting, being triggered by that could have been me. We have to do something. We can't be back at the place in July of 2022. From Milwaukee PBS with support from the International Women's Media Foundation. This is The Missing Piece. An investigative podcast series about domestic violence cases in Milwaukee County. A growing crisis. Unprecedented numbers of people, mainly women, losing their lives. We're taking a deep dive on how we got here. And what is being done to save lives and restore peace. We're your hosts, Alexandria Mack. And Scotty Lee Myers. Episode 1 unprecedented numbers. In July of 2022, across a three-week span, 23 days if we're being specific, eight women in Milwaukee County were killed in domestic or intimate partner-related incidents. Cynthia Walker was a proud mother and grandmother. Family identified the two as 42-year-old Okeon Riles and 19-year-old Ladesia Porter, mother and daughter. As officers arrived, they discovered 24-year-old Ninoshka Maestre Lozada, who was shot and later died at the scene. And the 49-year-old woman who was shot and killed in a domestic dispute yesterday has now been identified as Lada Donsanufith. Women across the spectrums of race, ethnicity, and age. Almost all of them, mothers. Good morning. How you doing, Scott? Yes. How you doing, brother? Doing well. How are you doing? Laying right here, like pulling up. Hey, ma. One of those victims, a domestic violence advocate herself. Desiree was a beautiful spirit. She really was. She radiated light. This is Antonia Drew Norton. My name is Antonia Drew Norton. I'm the director of the ASHA Project in Milwaukee. She's the founder and director of the ASHA Project, a community-based program specifically for Black victims of domestic abuse, sexual assault, and sex trafficking. She also just received a Lifetime Achievement Award from Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers. She's remembering her former employee, Desiree Harris, a 51-year-old woman shot and killed on July 31st, 2022. Desiree's longtime partner pled guilty in relation to her murder and received an 18-year prison sentence last month, according to court documents. And the light Antonia speaks of echoes throughout Desiree's obituary, which you'll be hearing excerpts from today, beautifully written by her son, Jabbar Mohammed. Friends, family, brothers, and sisters, we gather on this solemn day 
to bid farewell in the wake of a grave tragedy, a light stolen, but never to be forgotten. The beauty of his mother. Her garden was as diverse, nurturing, and gorgeous as the woman who saw to it. A bouquet of herbs, vegetables, and flowers blossomed through the spring to bring a quaint peace to the vitriolic environment that surrounded her home on Milwaukee's north side. Tainted by the tragic circumstances of her passing. We lay her to rest, betrayed by someone she once trusted. We must carry on with heartfelt memories of the beauty she was. Her soul, both gorgeous and tortured, will now be free to settle and rest in a serenity she was unable to obtain on this earthly plane. Describing her as a kindred soul who sought to give others the help she often cried out for, that her smile burned brightly, even as darkness surrounded her at every turn. Remember her smile, remember her soul, and it will find you again to fill you with the love and joy she always held inside. Her murder reminded us that domestic violence don't care who you are or what you know, and that the cases are spiking. And tragically so. We had more inter-family homicides, sons killing fathers, brothers killing sisters. So not all of it was intimate relationship violence. That's Carmen Petrie, head of Sojourner Family Peace Center, the state's largest DV advocacy organization. And this is a good time to lay out some basic definitions, starting with domestic violence. So it's any crime that happens within the definition of two people who live together, live together in the past, or have a child in common. To round that out a bit more, domestic violence involves the infliction of physical pain, injury, or illness. The problem with that is it leaves a lot of people out who are dating. Intimate partner violence is a category to fill in the gaps for those who are not married, nor living together, or don't share children. But nevertheless, violence is present. Because the reality is, romance can be messy. Relationship statuses? Complicated. A good advocate will tell you, go back in and ask the person, where does he keep his toothbrush? That's a sign of cohabitating, right? So there's been some challenges around that definition. And these definitions matter because they influence police response and dictate statistics that are used to diagnose root causes, which is why you'll often see slightly differing numbers when it comes to crime data. But before we hear these horrifying numbers, we can't forget that these were people, all of whom had a story, like Desiree, who left behind family members, co-workers, and memories. In 2022, there was 39 DV-related homicides reported by the Milwaukee Police Department, which is a 105% increase from 2019, pre-pandemic. Across the state, there were a record high 96 individuals who died due to domestic violence. That's approximately one death every four days. The vast majority of perpetrators were male, around 90%. These deadly incidents happened in 25 of Wisconsin's 72 counties, with a nearly even split between rural and urban areas. And there was a disproportionate impact on Black, Indigenous, and people of color communities. Non-Hispanic Black and Native women are killed at nearly three times the rate of non-Hispanic white women. In terms of what we're facing, as I've seen in my almost 40 years of work, I don't even have vocabulary anymore to describe the circumstances that we're facing. 
What you have is a perfect storm of people who are isolated and stuck in neighborhoods and, and isolated from each other, historically, generationally. A normalization of violence, lack of hope, and access to guns. Guns and domestic abuse are a deadly combination. In 2022, guns were used in 89% of fatal domestic violence incidents across Wisconsin, compared with 67% of incidents in 2021. When a domestic violence incident involves a firearm, it is 12 times more likely to result in death than those involving other weapons or bodily force. I think if you pay attention to this issue, if you care about violent crime, it's really important to understand what's driving it because the responses are different. The response that we as a society or the response that law enforcement gives a problem like drug-related homicide is very different from the response that you give to domestic violence or family violence. Ashley Lutheran is an investigative reporter at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. She's done extensive reporting on this crisis and has even revealed some critical gaps in justice for those experiencing violence. Now, the Milwaukee Police Department, for a long time, they've done an excellent job with the Homicide Review Commission of tracking homicides, trying to categorize the primary factors underlying them. But they are somewhat limited in terms of following state statute definitions. For decades, maybe even centuries, family violence and violence between romantic partners has been looked at as dirty laundry, better left tucked under the bed, out of sight from company, many times cited as isolated incidents, minimizing the threat of offenders to the greater society. But as numbers show, these DV incidents bleed into Milwaukee's violent crime data and contribute to about one in six homicides in the city. It's something that Milwaukee Police Chief Jeffrey Norman has addressed. Domestic violence is a root cause of a significant amount of violence in our city. And so what I was seeing in 2018 and 2019 was a lot of homicides categorized as argument fight, which is valid, right? They were the results of arguments or fights, but they weren't getting to, hey, what was the actual argument fight about? and it was usually the result of some sort of romantic entanglement. And so the Milwaukee Police Department has, to their credit, acknowledged a growing increase in that underlying factor. And so if we know that, it's really important that we not just acknowledge it, but that we look at what's happening and what systems and what people broadly can do to try to stay safe. We're at the City of Milwaukee Office of Community Wellness and Safety's annual Love Without Violence Conference. On a rainy fall morning during DV Awareness Month, people are gathered on Milwaukee's north side in a gymnasium decked out in purple. There's a DJ playing crowd favorites like the Cupid Shuffle, even a few gospel harmonies to Kirk Franklin. It feels like a family reunion or just a party in general. And in a way, it's both of those things. But more importantly, it's a space for advocates and community members to learn and honor the stories of survivors. Stories like Tracy Eggerson. My name is Tracy Eggerson. I am a survivor of domestic violence, and that's kind of what prompted me to come. I try to support all local domestic violence events in the city. Tracy was my tablemate for much of the first day of the conference, greeting me with a big smile and a boisterous laugh. What started as playful conversation and sing-alongs to some of our favorite 90s R&B jams grew in intensity when I asked what brought her to the conference, sparking a deep reflection of how her story of survival could have went the other way. In my first marriage, I got married when I was 20, maybe 24 years old, and my first husband was also a survivor of domestic violence, became an abuser. My first experience was my son had a nightmare and he 
like pooped in his pull-up. He was three years old at the time. And his anger about that was extremely unbelievable. He was enraged by him going in his pull-up. So much to the fact where he lunged at him like he was about to hit him like he was a man. So that's where it initially started. Then he hit me and then that's where that began. And that's kind of like the story. From there, just many, many awful and don't want to relive stories. 20 years later, still seeing and very much feeling the effects, not only in herself, but her son. I think that we cannot negate from the fact of how it affects children. I have a 23-year-old son who's actually about to become a parent, and he still hates my first husband. He still seeks him out. He still tries to find him. He still remembers 20 years ago as a three-year-old kid what happened to his mother. So the effects last forever. Don't minimize that. It is extremely important to touch the children when these type of things happen in your family. The way that I have to still have my 23-year-old son not feel these moments is incredible to me. You still live with it for the rest of your life. I'm still in it. You know what I'm saying to For the rest of your life, you will live with it. And your kids do too. So it is important what they see and its lasting effects. Okay, so we're gonna honor two people tonight, today. Oops, sorry, it's dark in here. And so I'm gonna turn it over to Quinn. He worked with one of the families and then we have a survivor we want to acknowledge. Yeah, and just to piggyback off of what Karen said, you know, when assisting those who've been involved with domestic violence situations, there's just a, a ripple effect that happens in those lives. If there's kids involved, the kids are affected. Sometimes a, their place, what they call home, is affected where they have to relocate. Sometimes employment is even affected. So these families, these individuals, they become our family. So the first family I want to acknowledge is the Neville's family. Where the lights go? It's dark. <laughs> this is Jeanet and Montreux. I did a lot of talking when I first lost out here, and I couldn't stop there. It just was meeting after meeting, and then homegoing, and then a birthday, and everything. And somehow I always find something to say, something that'll touch everyone in the crowd. Sometimes even myself, and I sit back and I think at the end of the night, like, where did that come from? but it comes from the encouragement of help. They lost their one-year-old daughter, Zaire, in June of 2023, when a car she was in was shot into by someone who was chasing their vehicle. The criminal complaint describes the shooter as the husband of the best friend of Zaire's mother. Through this time, it's most definitely been hard. And like I just told him earlier, I feel like I'm holding on by a very, very thin string that's being gnawed on by a rat. <laughs> it's most definitely been hard. Tragedies like these reminding us that domestic violence's far-reaching effects don't wait until you're over 18 or if you're the intended target. Rather be domestic relationship violence. Kids are affected by that as well. They lose a parent. They lose a friend. Sometimes it's the kid. And just the people here now shows that somebody actually does care about when things like that happen. And I think that's really important because maybe we intuitively know that domestic violence is 
a family crime, but so often the focus is on the victim and the person who caused harm. But there are so many collateral consequences to that. And we know that exposure to violence can have a lot of adverse effects as kids grow up. And so I think it's important to remember, again, if we say that we care about kids, if we say we care about crime victims and keeping people safe, then we need to have a focus on this specific problem. If you or someone you know is going through a crisis or need help, call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-7233. Resources specific to Milwaukee can be found in our show notes. On the next episode of The Missing Piece. I know that it's going to sound like a broken record, but I think COVID did something to ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally. We take a look at how we got here and why all roads lead back to the COVID-19 pandemic. The Missing Piece is hosted and produced by Alexandria Mack and Scotty Lee Myers. Other members of our team include sound engineer Grant Martin, engineering manager Arlene Giuliani Kazorik, and digital content manager Carol Burns. You heard additional reporting from Rebecca Clough and Stephanie Haynes from TMJ4 News, Courtney Sisk and Caroline Reinwald from WISN 12, and Yukari Nakayama from CBS 58. Thank you to Brian Mack, who provided voice acting in this episode. Thanks for listening. If you're a fan of this reporting, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating. You'll hear from us again soon for episode two of The Missing Piece.